the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm getting ready to have a fit. I'm tired. I feel like I got the chills, but I feel good in my spirit. And I feel like that this church is going to preach with me tonight. And there's going to be some unresolved issues with, with, with some folks here this evening that the devil has been preying on your mind and on your spirit. And that old Christmas holiday lethargic spirit, the credit card spirit, that debt spirit, the, uh, the, all that garbage that we have to... Whatever happened to just good ham and 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 homemade bread and and all that, just getting together and having a good time, and everybody feels obligated tonight. Let's just feel obligated to Jesus. How about that? Hallelujah. The Book of Daniel, chapter six, eleven through sixteen. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near. Excuse me, and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of, of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into a lion, the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Now know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. The very one that had in mind to destroy Daniel already knew that Daniel's God would deliver him. Every time that hell raises his fist at you. Every time that a lion opens his mouth to bite you on the foot. Every time that the devil causes havoc in your home. He already knows that Jesus will step on the scene and that Jesus will deliver us out of the mouth of our lion.
So I want to preach to you what God does not keep you from. He will deliver you out of. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar ruled Babylon at the time of Jerusalem's fall to this powerful nation. He conquered Jerusalem in 605 B.C., taking many Jews captive, including Daniel and the three Hebrew children. He destroyed the temple and finished the captivity in 586 B.C. And it wasn't long before Babylon and their own enemy by the name of Cyrus the Persian, and he conquered Belshazzar and Babylon in 530 B.C. Cyrus ordered the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, and it was around this time that Darius the Mede became the co-ruler with Cyrus. It's this character named Darius that I want to talk to you for a moment about. This evening, Darius the Mede was a king of the massive Babylonian kingdom. It was no wonder that Saddam Hussein wanted to rebuild it. Because there was a time when this kingdom was thriving much like the Roman Empire. And Darius was pleased to set his finest men in the land. Men who were princes over the entire kingdom. In 1876, Chicago Sunday school teacher named Philip Paul Bliss wrote a song to help teach students in Sunday school the book of Daniel. And the song simply went like this. He said, dare, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. And dare to make it known. And this short song summarizes the message of Daniel, not just for Sunday school children, but also for the ancient people of the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew nation, the Jews to whom this book was first read. Except that wasn't just about daring to be like Daniel. The people who were hearing these stories for the first time, they were going through tough times. They were going through impossible times. They were captives to the Babylonian, uh, to the Babylonians, and uh, or they, they were facing one another uh, challenges that followed their return to Judah. Life was difficult. The enemies were big, and the fields that they had once. Uh, Sowed, they were fallow and unplowed for the for seventy plus years, and it was in the midst of all this difficulty that Daniel was placed in this very high position over presidents and princes. Daniel was placed in a global position because it was a type of global kingdom in their day. Daniel was preferred 
uh, he was preferred uh, as an excellent spirit from God and, and of God. It was in him that the Spirit of God dwelt in him in a strong and mighty way. He was a man of prayer and he gave himself to God in a very dedicated way. Daniel had been carted away from his home as a young man forced to serve in the courts of foreign kings his whole adult life. And he had even been threatened to death on occasion. At the time of the lion's story, Daniel was in his 80s or his 90s. Without much hope that he would ever ever return back to his homeland, back to where he was born and where he come from, you would have thought that his age would have kept him from having the courage to stand against the enemy that desired to destroy him. But he stood strong regardless of his circumstance of his age. Still, it's in the midst of these less than ideal circumstances that Daniel's life and his ministry begin to shine. I want to let this church know here that there will be times that the odds of winning battles, the odds will be stacked against us. It will be. It will seem as though that we're not capable of lifting our hands and praising God because the enemy has got us under his fingers and his thumb. More times than not, we will not be able sometimes to get out of bed in the morning because the enemy has got us thinking that we're not going to make it. But I want to let you know today, the Bible says that my grace is sufficient for thee and my strength is made perfect in my weakness. What Jesus was saying is when we are weak and feeble and are without any hope, that's when He can do a great work in our lives. That is when He's more prevalent. It's when I can't do it. It's when I cannot make it on my own. That's when Jesus steps up and says, My strength is made perfect. But you don't understand, Brother Hill. I might have cancer. I have a disease that the doctors say is, incur- is incurable. My bank account's gone, and everything around me's falling apart. That's when Jesus shows up. That's the times that God can work a miracle in my life. When my life seems to fall apart, that's when Jesus shows up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Daniel shined because he did what was right in spite of an attack on his character. The presidents and princesses went to Darius and concocted a conspiracy that everyone wanted the king to establish a decree or a law that said people who could pray, who couldn't, uh, could only pray to the king and not God. Today, 
that would seem uh, it would seem strange and crazy a crazy notion to us but in those days the kings were often gods and they were worshipped like our God was and many kings were worshipped by their people but Daniel refused to do it I believe I believe I don't just believe but I know that in the last days there's going to be a church that will not bow to this world and they will not bow to what this world has to offer Daniel, he refused to bow a knee to the king. He refused to bow, even though it cost him, it might cost him his life, because once a king signed the law, that was it. It was over. It could not be changed. And the little Darius, and little did Darius know that while he was giving his signature on that paper, he was signing a trip for Daniel to the lion's den. The king was tricked. But how many of you know that what God does not keep you from? What God does not keep me from, He will deliver you out of. Here is one of the best... I'm going somewhere. I'm I'm fighting something right here, but I'm going to go anyway. Here is one of the best verses in the entire passage. Daniel 6 and 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew... He went into his own house and he opened his windows. It didn't matter who was watching. It didn't matter that his life was on the line. He said, I'm going to pray like I always prayed. I'm going to live for God like I always live for God. And I don't care who thinks anything of me. He said, I'm going to open my windows and I'm going to begin to pray. There's some of you who need to quit being embarrassed about your God and quit letting the devil hold you captive. You need to open your windows and begin to shout. Regardless what the enemies might say, I'm going to pray anyway. Regardless what anybody says or what churches might do, I'm going to shout anyway. Regardless what they might think of me, I'm going to dance before God. You can sit there if you want to. I'll never forget it when I was just a boy in Sunday or in class in a public school. And there it was when all that junk was coming out. The kids couldn't pray in school. They handed out cookies and Kool-Aid. And I this boy, Adam Hill, bowed his head to pray when everybody was looking at him and everybody was scorning him, scorning him, the math teacher. He looks at me and he said, You can't pray in this class. I said, Listen, I have a right to pray wherever I want to. I want to let you know that I bowed my head. I didn't care who was looking. There's some of us are going to a restaurant and we won't even bow our heads to pray because we think someone's looking at us. Listen, we cannot be ashamed of who we are. We cannot be ashamed of being apostolic. Hallelujah. It's time that we open our windows. I said it's time that we open our windows. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Reason why this is so awesome is because Daniel didn't allow the trial to shake his love for God. He continued doing what he knew was right, knowing that God just might allow him to go in a lion's den, just knowing that his life could be over, knowing that God could allow him to die. He refused to let him hold him captive. Listen, we cannot fear for our lives because our lives are meaningless. If we don't make it to heaven, we need to quit being ashamed of him. Some of us adults don't have any problem with that. But I'll tell you, it wasn't a long time ago that I, that I was a teenager and I had a problem bound my head to pray. I had a problem letting, letting my father even seeing me raise my hands and pray. But listen, you young people, you need to walk into your public schools blessing people in the name of Jesus. If you have somebody that's sick in your classroom, you should lay your hands on them right there. It doesn't matter what the state says. It doesn't matter how people talk about you. You need to do it because you never know what people might. You might see revival. Stand up, Paul. They prayed that guy right there through to the Holy Ghost on the school steps. It doesn't matter where you're at. You should never be ashamed of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Good preaching, brother. Good preaching. Good This apostolic church right here has been kicked in the teeth more times than you can imagine. Because people say that we're charismatic because we worship. And you know what? Some of us has heard it. And you know what? We've given up. Some of us have given up on worship because the other churches across town, regardless who they are, don't worship. And they're pointing their finger at this church saying that they're crazy. It doesn't matter what they think. You need to dance for Jesus. I'll never forget it. My father prayed the waitress through to the Holy Ghost in Cracker Barrel. They cleared that place. There was three or four people laying in the floor. Why? Because Don Hill stood up and said, I refuse to let people dictate my future. We can have revival anywhere. That's not even what I'm supposed to be preaching on. Daniel knew that the consequences of being committed, there's a consequence to be committed to this church. There's a consequence to being committed to holiness. I've said it a thousand times. When I see Sister Hannah, 40,000 kids walking around 
living like they want to. She's walking around looking like a holy woman of God. Mm, I'm not and that God is going to bless her for that. God is going to bless, bless the ladies for, for, for living right and separating themselves. God is going to bless you men for lifting up holy hands. God is going to bless you, Brother Strunk, for laying hands for people on people in, in, a, in an ice cream truck and people get the Holy Ghost. Brother Eldar, people's going to, people, you're going to be blessed for, for what you do, for standing in that place at IU over there and, and standing for God. People's going to, God's going to bless you, Brother Williams, for going to Gosport when everybody says... That that's not that, that's not the will of God, and and you shouldn't be committed to that. There's consequences to being committed, but I promise you that Jesus will bless you further than what anybody can condemn you or you for standing up. Shame on us for not being committed. Shame us, shame on us for living like hell outside the church doors. Daniel knew that he was in a place of testing. But Daniel also knew the promise of God. If he allowed it, if God allowed him to die, it's for a purpose. And the reason was probably for just a season. He said, I may not see the reason right away, but the Lord will not allow his children to go through anything without his approval. And especially, he will not let us go through it without his friendship and his companionship. Matthew 28, 20 said, Jesus said, I am with you always, whether you're on the mountain or walking through the valley, living in a blessing or going through the very pit of hell. You have a promise that the Lord is right beside you every step of the way. You may not see Him. You may not feel Him. But you can rest assured that He is right there. The psalmist David said in 139, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou shalt be there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, he is going to be there. That lets me know that no matter what I go through on this earth, I'm not going through it alone. He said there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm telling you tonight that Jesus has our back if we're going to be if we're committed to him and his word. I like fighting stuff like this because it lets me know that I'm going I'm I'm, I'm doing something right. I love it. I like that feeling. Because I know that God is with me. I know that I'm supposed to be here right now. I know that I'm supposed to be talking to you right now. I know I'm preaching to somebody that has felt like they're going through something and they've looked around and they don't know if God is with them. But rest sure that He is sitting right there beside you. When you are baptized with the fire of the Holy Ghost, you have Him down in your soul. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there with you. 
the Bible says that the king was sore displeased that he had allowed himself to be tricked by the men. They knew they had, they had him. In Daniel 6 and 14 it says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But the king's regret could not keep Daniel from the consequence of the law. The king commanded Daniel to be cast into a den of lions and said to him, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. He went back to his palace and fasted all night long. He did not sleep. But in the morning, he got up. The king never went and ate his royal breakfast. He never went and got a manicure. He never went and got fitted for a new suit. He swiftly went to the lion's den. The Bible says that he cried out in a lamentation voice unto Daniel and said, Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lion's Daniel, takes his head off of that old lion he used as a pillow. See, when, when you know God's on your side, you can sleep. Hey. Even in the midst of the worst situation... When, when you know that the God that you serve is in control, that you can sleep right on the belly of a lion with great big teeth, knowing that God will shut the mouth of your enemy. How many of you tonight have ever slept in the midst of hell and not worried? I believe that you're here tonight. I believe that some of you go home to situations that are impossible situations. Broken homes, broken marriages, places that you don't feel like you could ever make it. But somehow God gives you the strength to lay your head down on the pillow. That's reassurance to God that God will never leave nor forsake you. Daniel raised his head up. He wiped the sleep from his eyes and said, O king, live forever. Say, live forever. Live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the mouths of the lions that they have not hurt me. For God saw my innocence before you. God didn't keep Daniel from the den of lions. But he did not let the mouths of the lions open and kill him. There may be situations in your life that God is allowing you to go through that you don't understand. Sister Joni, 
the situations and problems that seem too great for you to overcome. Jesus. But it's in these moments that the devil would like, he would like to get inside your head and he would like to convince you that God has forsaken you, that he has never loved you, and that God has abandoned you. But don't let the devil discourage you. I said don't let the devil discourage you. Just know that God is with you. He is never going to leave you or forsake you. The lions cannot hurt you. Hallelujah. I want to let you know that it's not over until my Jesus says it's over. So don't let the devil convince you that you might as well throw in the towel. God's going to bring something great out of your trouble. God is going to bring something great over our dilemma. He's going to turn your tragedy into triumph if you will just trust in Him while you are in the lion's den. Hallelujah. And though it's never pleasant to, to, uh, to keep company with something that has the ability to devour you and eat you alive. But we've got to understand that God has made, has made them for you and not you for them. Did you just get what I said? That God has made your trials for you and you not for them. Problems are not food for us. I'm sorry, excuse me. I wrote these notes and my writing's pathetic. Problems our food for us, I said it right. We are not food for our problems. I want you to understand that. When I first wrote it, I thought, that I didn't understand that. I didn't get it. What, what am I trying to say? That so many times we think our problems are here to destroy us. But they're here to make us. I preached about it today. That we need to learn to fail forward and not fail backwards. We need to use our failures and our battles to build us and not tear us down. Because without the lion's den, we could never have victory. It is our energy, our battles... Our, our, our energy for us to survive because one day we'll have another battle and we will be able to look back and say if God brought me through that last battle and ordeal that God is more than able to take me through the battles to come. When Daniel came out of the den, the king took him and blessed him. God is getting ready to bless you. 
those of you who have walked through hell and high water, when you walk out of it, the king is going to take you and he is going to bless you. And then he brought those that were responsible for Daniel, the ones that schemed against him and threw him in the lion's den. The Bible said that the king took his enemies and he destroyed the very ones that plotted and schemed against him. Your enemy is getting ready to fall. The very thing that tried to destroy him, the king rose his hand against and he wiped him away. My God. The king made a decree that in every dominion of his kingdom, men would tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Look what happened. I want you to look what happened when Daniel got thrown in the lion's den and God brought him through it. God took a trying circumstance of one man and through it all and he turned the attention of a nation towards himself. God is taking America through the lion's den. And some of the most of the church is right there with it. But God is going to bring the church out of that lion's den. And when he does, he's going to turn everything, all the focus of the miracle and turn it to him. And people will say, look what God has done. Most of the time, most of the time, God will keep you from things. Things that bring pain in your life, brings question. But there are those times that God will allow us to go through things just to remind us that He's in control. Joseph was favored, but He let him go through the pit and the prison before He promoted him. In Egypt. I want you to listen to me. He let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go through the furnace. But in their furnace they saw the fourth man with them. And they come out without one hair singed. And God promoted them. He let Job deal with the loss of all his possessions and children as well. And the confidence of his own wife... Only to bless him 
with twice as much as he ever had. He let Mary and Martha go through pain of watching their own brother, Lazarus, die just to give them a resurrection four days later. I'm telling you tonight that God may not keep you from going through everything. But I promise you that He will bring you through everything. I said that He is going to bring us through. Not just bring us through, but bring us through with victory. Let's stand our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you has been going through it? Come on, be honest with me. How many of you has been going through it? I heard our pastor preach a while back, a long time ago, it was probably 10 years ago. He said, the Bible says, if the enemy, if you catch an act, the, uh, the thief in the act of, of stealing from you, he has to restore sevenfold. I'm not here to preach his message, but it's in the Bible so I can use it. Tell him I used some of it. Will you? And so, how many of you, I want, I, come on, I want you to be honest with me. Has the devil stole from you? Come on. Stole your joy? Made you feel like a dog? Stole your worship from you? Made you feel inadequate? But we've got to, this is this tonight, we've caught the enemy in the act, right? We're acknowledging it. And he has to restore seven times of what he ever took from us. So, hold on. This is what I want. I want you to begin to worship. It's 715. We've got a lot of time to make it to Wendy's. Come on. I'm not going to beg you to come up here. The fact remains that if you don't come up here, you don't want it bad enough. But desperate people always use desperate measures. I'm desperate. I said I'm desperate tonight. How many of you are desperate? How many of you are going to march into the enemy's camp and take back what the devil has taken from you? How many of you are tired because you've lost your joy and you're going to take it back? Come on. Let's sing. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I want you to begin to dance before Jesus.